0: we really need to develop something and it is a muscle and that's that it's the muscle of confidence. That's the truth around freedom because you could take everything that I have. You could take my companies, my money, you could take everything and you haven't taken my confidence away, which means that I am free. And that's the same thing for every single person. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about your cash. It's not about your cash flow. It's about your belief in your ability to create. That's what sets you free.
1: Welcome to Create New Futures, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, experts, and interesting minds. Join us as we explore ideas and reflect on practices that you can use and apply to create and shape the future. With your host, author and strategy consultant, Aviv Shahar. Welcome to Create New Futures, where we develop conversations with leaders and entrepreneurs to explore how you can create new futures for you and for your business. This is Aviv, and today I'm speaking with Damien Lupo. Damien is an American sensei with 50 degree black belt and the founder of Yokido Martial Arts. He's an author in personal finance, and he leads three global companies with one unified mission, to free people from money bondage. Damien, it's great to have you here. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Aviv. It's really great to be here. I'm look- looking forward to our conversation today.
1: Let me first ask you then, what are you currently working on?
0: It, the thing that you mentioned, my mission to free a million people from financial bondage, that is all I spend my time about. It's, it's actually what I spend my time at when I'm sleeping. You know, it's, I, I focus on this and everything that I do during the day is about that mission. It's about reaching more people to succeed in that mission. Why is
1: it so important for you?
0: It's actually painful because I watched both of my parents and so many people around me play by the rules and then wake up one day and they were still in bondage even though they did what they were supposed to do the money still controlled their lives and they didn't really have the freedom and my it became obvious that my my purpose here my mission is to take those those shackles off and help guide people through the process of becoming free I just can't handle seeing it anymore and it's uh it, there's there's millions of people that are stuck and and so that for me is is a it's a um it's a pole it's a guiding light it's something that's that f- wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning wanting to do something more to touch more people for that
1: and what's specifically about that mission and that work what is most energizing for you
0: well it's it's the realization that um the truth about being free has nothing to do with amount, a certain amount of money or a certain amount of cash flow it's really about this confidence and when I help people understand that and then help take them through this process of building a different muscle that they really didn't know that they needed to have to be free and that this light goes on. And I see that where people light up and they realize, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out of financial prison and it's possible. It's not something that's only for other people. Every time that happens, it just makes me want to go touch more people and bring that that message and that confidence uh, to other, other people's lives.
1: So... We're going to re-thread back to this, and I would like to explore the, the earlier journey that, that brought you to what you do today. But before even that, let me ask you, in your email signature line, you have a quote from Karen Raven. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Mm-hmm. And the, the quote says, only as high as I reach can I grow. Only as far as I seek can I go. Only as deep as I look can I see. Only as much as I dream can I be. Why have you embraced this quote? I mean, it it sounds obvious, but specifically, what does it mean to you?
0: if you if you look at everything every part of the, of of what is said there everything has to do with a choice it's a choice of how far we we reach it's how far we we go it's it's everything is a choice and what that boils down to is the value of self responsibility and the the point of of all of that is that the more self responsible we are to the point where we on an extreme we own every piece of our life and everything that happens to us we have the ability to create a life instead of having one by default and to me, self-responsibility is the ultimate value. It's the ultimate way to live a, a, a life well. And, and, it's, and because most people are, are playing a victim in some role, they're missing out on a life that is waiting for them. And the moment that they go into choice and they own their life, they suddenly have a blank canvas where anything is possible. And so everything about that quote says self-responsibility and choosing a life to me.
1: So what was your journey into that epiphany about self responsibility, and and can you paint this um, the idea and and the map of meaning that you have in mind about self responsibility inside the the context of what it means for you?
0: Yeah, the, my my process of of really understanding self responsibility was after I lost uh, a company, and and really after having become a multimillionaire, I lost this, I lost everything in my life and had to start over. And it was only when I asked the question, what is true? And what was true is that I wasn't taking responsibility. And once I shifted into that space of taking responsibility, then all the lessons from the the decade that I had built this multimillion dollar company, uh, those lessons were available to me. Because if we don't own everything in our lives, we can't learn and we're just gonna keep going through the same thing over and over again. And when I look back, I realized I didn't want to do the same thing. I didn't want to have a life of groundhog days. I wanted to actually have new adventures and and something different. And so if it was going to be different, I had to own it. And then I had to rewire myself. And that was where the self-responsibility became the pillar Value for my life and it 's what I, I base everything I do on the businesses, my mission it's, it all comes down to that and it 's vastly different than the the touch of entitlement or victimhood that most people have in their lives, uh, most of society it 's kind of baked into people 's lives, so that was the biggest trans- transition for me into a place where I started moving into freedom, was owning that instead of blaming anything else or anybody else or the economy or a politician. It was all for me, it was all because of me
1: curious um, because my guess is if we stopped 100 people in the street and we asked them about what they feel and and what's the meaning of the word responsibility for them, uh, more than 50, maybe 70 or 80 of the 100 will describe weight, obligation, and words that are probably on the other end of the spectrum from that sense of liberation and freedom that you are describing. So, part of that journey for you was recontexting reframing restating what responsibility meant and i, I guess it it comes in this idea of self responsibility it is an inside out construct
0: it is i, th- I think you i think you're exactly right uh, that that there's there are two extremes there's one where responsibility is an obligation and for me it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to have a high level life and and not be stuck by things that i mean people live in a, in a state of obligation. And it's, it's really kind of depressing that they do things because of social pressures or family pressures or financial pressures that they've created out of thin air that they think that they have to have. And, and when you shift over to a place of feeling like, wow, I get to really create whatever life I want and, and design it based on something that, that is deep for me, that, that satisfies one of the deep human needs of contribution and connection instead of just the security piece all the time. Uh, most of us in society are focused so much on the security, about the money, and and we, we feel like self-responsibility is is something we have to do to satisfy everybody else's rules. And if you shift into those other needs, all of a sudden you start to see the the doorway where you can walk into freedom.
1: Indeed. And I will look to rethread into the distinction between financial security and, and financial freedom. But uh, let me pivot here. And ask you, how did you get in, into martial arts in the first place?
0: It, it, it's one of those things when you're a kid, especially as a, a boy. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's all the the conflict. We see things, and we're naturally based on primal instincts. We're we're wanting to fight. I mean, this is a thing that we do. And and so as a kid, I I wanted to do karate or something because I wanted to do what I saw in the movies. And for whatever reason, the different things that I did didn't work for me. Karate and taekwondo and when i was about 22 i i found aikido and all of a sudden everything sort of opened up for me and it was it was when i saw this elegant dance and this ultimate control where it almost seemed fake but it wasn't fake it was just higher level presence and that just hit me and it pulled me in and the first class i walked up to the the sensei at the time and i said do you do private lessons and his response was funny he said let's see if you last a month. And uh, four years later, when I was promoted to my first black belt, I was his first black belt that he had ever promoted. And it was because I became the martial art. And it was, it was something that deeply resonated with me. And I had found a part of where I am home. And that was, that was something I hope for everybody. For me, that was Aikido. And it ultimately led towards that path of, of founding Yokido.
1: I think you just said you became the martial arts. How, do you, how did you mean that?
0: It, when something becomes who you are uh, for, for example if if someone were to look at Yokido and they they go to the website and they understand the principles of relationship and power and enlightenment and and the fact that it's it's about letting go of the conflict and the tension they would be they would be picking up on who I am and, and my essence and my energy and so Yokido and Damien are one and the same it's I embody it, and that thing embodies who I am so it's it, it's I put everything I am into creating that, and really it 's a reflection of of my inner being and that's it 's it's one of the greatest adventures in in the world it, to birth something and then have it live beyond and and outside of you
1: well, so describe a little more what is yukido what is what, and what was the process that gave birth to it
0: there 's a process in martial arts where you, you go and you learn and you, you go from unconsciously incompetent and you move through this process where you get consciously competent and then you're, uh, you're unconsciously competent where things, a- as you grow, it's not manual. And I, in the beginning, I was learning techniques and and doing things. And eventually I knew them. I didn't have to think about them. And then eventually as I was moving, there was this walking process where I was doing walking Aikido and, and ultimately I bumped into yoga and what i found was that there was deep breath work in yoga that really applied to aikido and i started meshing these together and realizing these were one and the, there was something magical there and that's called yokido so over a period of a few years i found my own version of things and this is what happens when you do somebody else's thing it eventually becomes your own because the, your energy shifts it it massages it things pop up that have never existed before but you have to be willing to go down the path of mastery. And that's, there's a great book called Mastery by George Leonard, one of my my mentors. And it's it's about this process of being willing to plateau. And this happens in business, it happens in life. It's where you don't think anything's happening and you mm-hmm. might spend years. And then eventually something just pops. And that happens in martial arts all the time where eventually something popped and and it, it just, it was in front of me. I didn't know what it was called, but it ended up being Yokido. It was how I moved, it was how I taught it was focusing on the presence and the tension and letting that go so people could open up their tunnel vision in life and see everything that was around them. They don't do that because there's so much tension and we, we end up in this tunnel vision on just this one point and everything else, we're, we're, we basically lose the entire experience of life because we're we're in so much conflict and tension.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm only a casual observer of martial arts. It seems to me that the three guiding principles as an observer are, first, you must be present here and now. Second, you must be grounded. You need to befriend gravity so that it works for you rather than against you. And thirdly, you must engage and even embrace your environment gracefully. What is correct about this and what am I missing?
0: I actually think that you should probably be teaching Yokido. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think that was an excellent way to describe the the power and and the beauty of of martial arts and and it's to me it's it, it truly is one and the same with the martial arts and especially with Yokido and it's and it's um, it's founding in aikido. There is a, it's, there's a focus on presence and there's a power in the presence and, and being grounded. I mean, as much as we need to see big things and, and have a view that's in the clouds and it's, it's into the future, we also need to be grounded so we don't float away and understand that you can't just float away because there is gravity. So there's, a real, there's, there's a, an objective reality around, about, around understanding the essence of being grounded and the focus where you're letting go of the tension to be present and then embracing whatever is because if you are going to argue with what is you're going to lose i mean every single time there it's it is is i mean it's i think there's an there's an old political thing about what what is the word is and th- the truth is if you're not willing to acknowledge what's true that somebody in front of you maybe wants to hurt you or or in business there's competition or whatever the truth is you're going to have a lot of struggle and the moment that you let go of that and you just acknowledge truth the struggle starts to fade and there's this flow that happens and you, you start to move freely through it. And that's, that's where the beauty is, where you feel like things are effortless and you, you'll start to say things like, I don't even feel like I did anything. The you know, people were just moving around me or I was, the, the business was booming and it's, it's like, I don't even know what I was doing. That's called flow. And, that's, and we see it in both places in life, martial arts and in business. So
1: since we're talking about being present and about flow... Let me ask you about power and force and, and how they're different, firstly, in, inside the, the martial arts and the Yokido context, and, and then how can we understand and appreciate these two ideas or these two actualities, power versus force, in, in areas and arenas outside the martial arts?
0: The first thing that that I would say is there's, there's misnomer that if we, if we think really hard, and and this is for people that have watched the secret and buy into the idea of, of attracting things that if we just think really hard, things will show up. And, and that's not true The, the truth is it's not about the, it's not, it's not about willing something. It's about being aware. And when, when we're not aware, we tend to force things. We tend to try to push through things. And sometimes it's a matter of being aware that there's a door three feet to the left, or there's an opportunity that's just around the corner or that we need to turn around. So this whole idea of awareness is where the power is. And, and you can't really become aware until you're present, until you're grounded. So it goes back to those pillars that we were talking about. And whether that's in martial arts and and you let go of trying to do something to someone and you just go with their energy and you redirect it, it's, it really changes the entire d- dynamic of the relationship. Because you're, it's it's like when you're you're working with um, in business and you're you're guiding someone versus trying to force them to do something. One of them has a huge amount of power, and that's where you're guiding and and you're allowing someone to really go where they want to go, and, and you're just supporting that. Same thing with martial arts. If you start forcing people, nobody likes that. Whether it's in a fight or whether it's in business, it becomes a conflict. And and so that's that's where you really distinguish between power and force, guiding versus doing something to someone. Nobody ever likes that, but they love being guided. They love to to go along with where they wanted to go anyway.
1: As a long distance runner, as a boy, the the similar adjacent experience is the distinction of aerobic versus anaerobic, and and the idea of where you sprint, you you use all the force available for you, but when you do a cross-country long distance run, you are really looking to enter the zone of operating aerobically such that you are in, in the flow and it 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 is almost unimaginable what you can then do and and these these are two very different metaphors and in some way they're similar
0: they are and it, this it actually reminds me of of the the way that our brain is is built with our our primal instincts and the and the primal way that we function with our sympathetic and parasympathetic systems to where we're either in a state of a fight or flight that we're, our amygdala is, is is afraid or when we let go of that and we're in this state of of things happening internally. We don't think about digestion. We don't think about our immune system. Those work really great if we, if our primal system isn't trying to st- maintain a state of survival or fight. But when we go into those, we mess everything else out that we can't, we can't consciously understand, but it's messing us up. And that's the same thing in, in anything, whether it's business or martial arts, or it, it's the same stuff. If you can go into a state where things are actually working naturally and you're in harmony, then there is this almost ease that it to some people it would seem unfair or wrong because they're not used to it. They're used to the conflict. We we see conflict everywhere. If, if if you watch the news, you see conflict. It's what attracts us because our amygdala is triggered to make sure that we're not missing something that's going to kill us. And and the more we move away from those triggers, the more we can go into this state of being. And and all of a sudden, that freedom thing comes up because we realize that there's not a fight except for the one that we're creating for ourselves
1: how critical inside this context is the practice of developing somatic awareness and and bridge for me please, the the place of somatic awareness on the journey to personal mastery how how important is that development uh in in your process
0: I, there is no way to go into um, mastery or to to be on that path in without the awareness if 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 you're going and you're working really hard, and we see this all the time, people are working really hard, they're working many years, and they're not really present they're not aware the you're just going to end up old and tired and and that you're not going to master anything I, I've seen people in martial arts train for for ten or more years, and all they're doing is the wrong thing over and over because they were never present enough to be aware of what was really happening and what was really going on so it's not about working hard it's not about pushing. It's about oftentimes the exact opposite. The awareness is about letting go and being with whatever it is, and then going with the energy instead of fighting it. I think it, it seems really great if we're tired at the end of the day and we feel like we gave a hard day's work or the or a hard week, and we're excited that it's Friday. But the truth is, you may be on the heading in the exact wrong direction, only to be old and broken.
1: How do you teach people to to be present, and how do you teach people to be grounded?
0: In in the dojo, the the, the practice is, is, is somebody grabbing onto me and I just keep asking them to let go, let go. And I can feel the tension because I can become very, very present and I can feel tension in their toes when they're holding onto my arms. And so we do the same thing in, in business. We just keep asking the questions and we find the edge. We find the edge of emotion by asking questions about what is going on, what is, what is true, the deeper you go into that one question and if you want to take one thing away from this conversation ask the question what is true until you find the core because there are so many layers that we've these stories we've built up around what we think is true and what we're living around what is true in our minds if you if you keep asking the question what is true or you have somebody help you go through that journey into the truth then you start to let go of that tension around these fights that you've created because you've created an illusion around the conflict that you think you need to be fighting because your again your primal instincts are to fight off the woolly mammoth or the tiger that is going to eat you and when you realize that's an illusion you can let it go and and so those are the questions we ask what is true what do, you, what do you what's real and then helping you to dispel those myths so that you can go into a state of objective reality and and live free and not in some other delusion or some, some shadow dream
1: so you, you developed your kiddo and, and what happened then? What, what is the next formative step for you? How do you get from there to finance and business and coaching people about a personal freedom and, and financial freedom?
0: well the, the first thing that that is is critical and i and I, unfortunately I this isn't very common is to live it whatever those principles are is to truly live it and this is hard sometimes when when i i teach tension release and conflict uh, not avoidance but really letting go of it and something happens and i want to go into a fight my instincts kick in and i realize that's not that's that's not who you are and so i have to you know i'm not going to be a charlatan i'm going to be someone that that lives what i teach and and the bridge is that i have this healthy obsession around money and finance it's it's what i heard about there's a lack of it as a kid And and so today I I see everywhere that people run their lives, the vast majority of people, based on a scarcity and fear life, and and so because of my skill set and my this healthy obsession around money, there was this natural bridge that was formed between these two things, and it, it gave me a place to to teach people how to be free, both in the financial world and in their physical bodies, and and with other people in relationships. It it seemed like a natural bridge, and there was. It, it goes in line with the whole idea of, of relationship. There was a, a beautiful relationship between the two of them, and it allowed me to focus on, on what Yukito is, which is lethal kindness. It's, it's the essence of being incredibly powerful, the kinder and more connected and gentler you are. and It seems almost strange because people would often say, well, there's, there's more power if you've got a big sword or a gun or, or something. And the truth is, it's more powerful the kinder you are. And so I can teach people that and how they can be kind to themselves and how they can go into a gentle space with their money and their businesses and really serve people. Because there is, there is something that's very gentle in serving people. There's something that's very harsh and in conflict when you're trying to take from people or do something to people. So that's really the bridge. It was, it was a way for me to, to be in the world and, and express the, the martial arts pillars and philosophies through what everybody can relate to, and that is money.
1: Right right so you you were looking to to bring the the yokido principles and the presence and generosity that you found in martial arts and bring that into entrepreneurship and and finance and business
0: exactly there's there is something that 's fascinating that the more people are selfish and they're trying to do something to someone else when they 're practicing martial arts, the less likely they are to have really much of an impact same thing with with life if we 're if we are thinking about how we're going to get more of anything or how we're going to take something, we we don't really get very far. The the people that I know that are the most generous typically are the most wealthy. And they're the ones that have the businesses that are serving more people. And there's something, there's something important to take from that. The more generous you are, the more the wealth flows. And it's about you giving and contributing, again, focusing on that versus this primal security of how much are you going to take. I I akin this to the the idea of looking at a fireplace when you're in a cold cabin and saying, once you give me heat, I'll give you fire. No, you have to start by, by being generous, and then the fire and the wealth and the flow happen, but you can't do it in the reverse order. It doesn't work that way.
1: Yes. Let, let me ask um, a little deeper about that sense you're describing in in the martial arts sense of when you you said you, you have the capacity to sense when the other person is still tense and holding back rather than engaging in the flow of the movement, which I read as essentially the the fear instinct. They have not surrendered to engage uh, with the flow. And so much of it happens in so many other arenas in, in our lives, as you said, with finance, most people's relationship with money is fear-based. Uh, a lot of interpersonal relationship is, is fear-based. What have you learned about fear about overcoming fear and about finding confidence
0: there There's something that's very healthy about fear if you step into traffic um, and you and you have no fear, you may end up becoming road pizza the The truth is though that most fear is based on ego and and it's it's not a healthy ego it's not an ego of confidence it's an ego of arrogance and 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 so i I see that the less your ego is driving something, the more that you've got a mission that is deeply satisfying, that that is more of a purposeful focus. Then the fear starts to dissipate. Um, I, I notice that when when people are are doing whatever they're doing, they're, they're training and they're trying to showcase their skills instead of letting go and being completely connected. Their that that ego that tension is it, it stops them. I mean, this is the shackles. It's the financial shackles that people put on themselves. And it's has so much to do with the ego instead of acknowledging that they're truly free. And they usually can just take off the, the shackles themselves. It's the same thing with when, when we're moving around each other and there's conflict, oftentimes it's simply letting go and there's nothing to fight. You can't have one dog in a fight you 've got to have two dogs in the fight, and when you let go of the tension and the conflict it 's really fascinating how people will will follow that and they let go too' they 're not trying to figure out what the agenda is and and they 're just they 're simply being in in the moment and that 's where a lot of magic happens is by by being in the moment and you can lead that by letting go and simply being grounded and present
1: The library is uh, filled with books about the ego and what is the ego and how to Deal with the ego, but in in the context that you are describing, one simple way to understand it it, it is a self concept. It is a, the narrative you have in your head about who and what you are, and how you are held captive. And um, in that narrative, and therefore anything that comes to oppose or or challenge that narrative, that story you have in your mind, is read as an attack. Whereas in often and many situations it it can be the the, the finest gift that th- there is uh, so how do you how do you teach and how do you help uh, people face fear and find confidence and let go of their self concept their self idea that they are arrested in
0: typically what we find is is that people are stuck in a fight that they 've created with other people with other events and and there's this opposition. You described it as opposing something or there's an attack. And the, the question is, what is that thing there to teach us? Because one of, our, one of our basic human needs is growth. And if we're constantly fighting things, two things are, become a problem. One, we're stuck in the past. And two, we're going to miss the lesson. And, and, and when we start asking the question, okay, bad relationship, bad partner, bad business, uh, we lost this thing. This company tried to crush us. What are, what, what, if something is there that we can learn from and we can build the muscle, if we're always asking what the lesson is instead of how do we fight back, sometimes the question is, how do we learn faster so that we can move beyond this? And, and typically, that is the question. It's, it's not how do we stay in this fight? I, I've seen this with people in their businesses going into lawsuits, and I, I watched it with a colleague of mine years ago that was willing to spend a half a million dollars on a lawsuit when the, the actual amount of money that was involved was about 80, maybe $100,000. And his ego wanted to win. And instead of him spending time on things that were creating value, he was creating a bigger version of his ego to satisfy his own lack of self-esteem. He, he, didn't, he needed to do that for himself. And I see a lot of people doing the same thing instead of saying, okay, what is the highest level I can play at? They're, they're in the mud with people that are playing very, very low level and thinking very low level. And so the conflict continues. And for most people, that's their life. It's a non, non-stop, never ending conflict instead of being willing to let go to, of some things and saying, okay, there's a bigger lesson here. Winning isn't going to teach me something. There's, it's, and it's not about losing, it's about learning. And that's the shift we have to make instead of saying it's either I win or I lose, you win or you learn. And if you're always winning, you're not really learning. And if you think it's about that losing is makes you bad or or less of something, then you're missing the entire point of the lesson.
1: So the pivot is into learning, and it's the, it's yes. the capacity to learn that um, engages you. Ultimately, what you're saying is fall in love with the learning of this moment in time, and, and find that there is a greater opportunity for it for you inside it than the the view the the concept you've had in your mind about yourself yesterday
0: i think that's it that's exactly what it is it's it's falling in love with with the process there's one of the the biggest mistakes uh and and i wrote about this in reinvented life where i talk about success versus fulfillment we're so obsessed with these moments in time that are success moments instead of being in love with the process of being fulfilled by the work that we do and the life that we're living and And that that 's a huge shift for people because we have these goals, and especially type A you know fortune five hundred CEOs entrepreneurs we 're focused on achieving things. The problem with that is our life isn 't just five moments of success it's it 's decades of experience and and if we start to shift into those experiences it doesn 't mean we don 't have benchmarks and markers that that we are are challenging ourselves to break through and, and go past it means that we don't miss the entire journey along the way, which is really what our lives are. It's not just checkboxes on, on some task sheet or goal, uh, goal list.
1: What, what is uh, so curious about the exploration of fear is that there are really many different kinds of fears. People fear what they know, and people also fear what they don't know. Uh, we fear failure, and then people fear also needing to assume responsibility to success. And too many of us go through life, as you said, moving from one fear uh, to the next. But those are the, they have uh, multiple faces and, and natures. Can you take me through an example of a process that you would lead in, in a coaching or consulting situation or training situation in the dojo, whatever, comes to mind where you... You take somebody through to a, a point of um, emancipation from fear, where they find that inner confidence that was not available for them before.
0: The, the first thing that that I'll do with someone um, is, is to figure out if, if I were to say, Aviv, what are the what are the the ten focuses for your life for the, the next year, or the next five years for you or your business. And we would go through those and we would look at each one of those things that has your mind, that has your conscious mind engaged in those. And we would look and figure out what those things are serving, which, which of the six human needs they're serving. And what we primarily find is that most people are focusing on the two S's: the security and the significance. And the significance is the shiny objects, and it's it's achievement, and it's it's the ego and the security. Uh, so that's the significance. And then security is is the money. How much money? And it's never enough money. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter whether you have five million or your company has five hundred million. There's never enough. What we find is that if we start making sure that the other human needs with growth and connection and love and and contribution if those are baked into your your top 10 focuses for your your year your life then the fear starts to just go away because you're so engaged in this love of affair that you're having with your life you're you're not just saying okay i achieved the security but i need more security because it's not enough i i just haven't got you know the, the company didn't do we we only acquired two other companies now we need to do more it's you really start to shift away so it's not a matter of being afraid of, of failing or afraid of, of actually the success. It's, it just goes away when those other human needs are satisfied. The problem is we don't tend to have goals that have those other human needs baked in because we think that's silly or it's soft, that, that connecting with other people is, is dumb when we should be thinking about how many more millions we're going to put on the bottom line. The problem with that is that we're looking at things in reverse. There's a, a side effect that we most people miss, and that is that if you're focusing on the right thing with the right service, with the right purpose, the side effect is this unbelievable amount of wealth and flow, and it's, it shouldn't be the primary focus. It should be the side effect, just like a bee that's, that is pollinating things. It thinks it's going and doing honey, but what's happening is its, it's true purpose, the side effect, is, is cross-pollinating things. We need to figure out what our purpose is and let the money be the side effect instead of obsessing about the money and missing those human needs that we really need to satisfy.
1: Let's get to, to purpose in a minute, um, but stay for a little longer inside the, the security versus freedom. And, and let me ask you, how do you define financial freedom and how is it different from financial sufficiency or financial security?
0: Well, ultimately, financial freedom is the confidence. It's the confidence that you can create. It's If I handed anybody a, an apartment building and it, it gave them, and this is personally, it gave you enough money to cover your bills, that's not going to give you freedom because in the back of your mind, you're always going to wonder, if this goes away, if something happens, how do I do this? And so you don't have the confidence muscle. And so you might have the security, but you can also have maximum security. It's called a prison and you get three meals a day and you've got a roof over your head so security is this illusion it, it's it it doesn't really give you freedom when you have the security uh, and uh, people are often willing to give up their freedom for the security thinking it's freedom it's we, we really need to develop something and it is a muscle and that's that it's the muscle of confidence that's the truth around freedom, because you could take everything that I have. You could take my companies, my money, you could take everything, and you haven't taken my confidence away, which means that I am free. And that's the same thing for every single person. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about your cash. It's not about your cash flow. It's about your belief in your ability to create. That's what sets you free.
1: Right. So you're defining the freedom as the the confidence, the the can-do power that... Uh, you know exist for you because of what you have been able to do because of what you're doing and because of what you know you can do.
0: It, it's true and, and the the thing I think that sticks a lot of people is they that they're stuck in that they haven't done something yet. And this is where being around people that you're, I call it the Bucky Five, and we've heard this in different forums, that those people that are around you, you become them. And if you're around people that are, that are confident and they're doing certain things and there's a cognitive bias towards normalcy, that that's what's normal for them, it's going to start to become normal for you. And that doesn't, whether it's doing a martial art move or it's buying multi-billion dollar companies, whatever that normal thing is, you adapt to it. So whether you've done something or not, if you haven't, but you want to build the confidence, it's a pretty simple hack, if you will, or a step in that direction by just finding the people that have and and just absorbing their confidence and leveraging off of that. It, you can go into almost anything by leveraging off that if you buy in. It, but the problem is I think a lot of times people go and they're fighting with those other people and they're saying, well, it can't be, it can't be for me like it is for you. And the truth is when you let go and you let go of the conflict and the tension and your ego, all of a sudden you'll find yourself becoming those other things that you want, but you have to be willing to let go and be present with whatever it is that you're trying to absorb.
1: So I find that, and I believe that letting go that you're describing is is found in, uh, perhaps in, in the idea of knowing yourself, which I believe is the, is the first true freedom you have to know yourself in the, in the sense that you're only as free as you know yourself, because for example, if you found yourself tomorrow in a pressured situation or a high powered situation and and you have no idea how you respond and what it will trigger in you, you're not likely to be free in meeting those challenges and and opportunities. For example, I ask people, do you know your core beliefs about life and what are they? And do you know what matters most for you? And do you know how you feel and Have you been able to access that authentic sense of self and beliefs and and feelings and pressure test them? That's the first freedom that that I think underlies, I believe underlies even that sense of confidence. First of all, that sense of knowing yourself. And then I find that there is a second element of freedom, which is a specific inside the, the broader construct of knowing yourself, which is knowing what you want to do. Because when I talk to people about trust and the pillars of trust, the first is competence, which is knowing what you can do. The second is character, which is knowing what you won't do. And, and then there is the third, whole other kind of freedom, which you alluded to earlier, which comes from a, a domain mastery. So there is a specific domain in, in the case of, of your story, it's, it's uh, martial arts and yokido, so that you have developed domain mastery. If you take me into the dojo, the, there is freedom that's available for you because you have mastered the ways, the means, the potential of that arena. And, and so I find that there are those layers as we seek to architect in, in ourselves the, the idea and the flow of freedom.
0: I agree. There, there, there's something that that I heard, um, and, and I love this. It's it's the idea of the golden rule and the silver rule. Have you ever heard of the silver rule?
1: <laughs> Let's see which silver rule you're referring to.
0: So we all know that the golden rule is to treat other people as you'd like to be treated, and that's that's interesting. But it's not as powerful as the silver rule. And the silver rule is don't treat other people the way that you would not want to be treated, because there's a way yeah. that our brain will do will will. Push us towards negative decision making versus positive decision making, and it's it's the same thing with with values. And I, I'm surprised how often I, I work with companies that have not really figured out what their values are. Or the best example of this is that I've read was Bridgewater. Bridgewater's founder Ray Dalio, in his book Principles, and it's there's such an alignment between who people are and the company. And if they're not in alignment with the company, they're gone. And, and everybody at that company, the 1500 people that work there know exactly what the values are. It's very transparent. In fact, they have something called radical transparency. And I, I love this for everyone to get really, really clear on that hand, those handful of values and the opposite value that they are going to be resistant or they're going to outright reject any person or any opportunity that violates the opposite of the value that that they hold so dear. So an example would be like we're we're going to my, one of my values is is 10x. It's it's big picture thinking that's exponentially bigger than than the next phase of growth. It's not 10%, it's 10x. If I'm around somebody that thinks they want to expand the business by 10% I just am able to say no because they're small thinkers. Same with self-responsibility. If somebody's a victim, my, my being, my soul automatically rejects them or those type of businesses for me to be involved with. So being really clear on the values and the negative version of that value is a great filter for everything that we're going to encounter and everybody that we're going to encounter. It helps you say no very quickly, which is one of the key things that we have to be able to do, say no almost all the time, very fast.
1: So you end up saying uh,
0: many more no's than yeses. Probably hundreds of times more no's than yeses. And, and I think we're, we're, we're trained that it's impolite. And the, the, the biggest leaders, the most successful leaders are the ones that know exactly what fits and they say yes quickly. And what's, what is a no is almost everything. It's also just as fast. But there's a clarity around what they value and what fits with their, their vision. And if you have that, then you can move quickly. Everything is speeding up. And if you don't have that ability to move quickly, it's because you're not really clear on your values and your mission. Those things will guide you through that, the morass of of questions, yes or no, and who should be or shouldn't be a part of your life or your business.
1: One of the points and insights of the law of becoming is that you are much better fighting for something than against it. And I don't even know if I like the word fighting there, but, but the point is that because if you fight against something and you're successful, you're left empty. And in, in the idea of lack begets absence. On the other hand, presence creates even more presence. So you, you spoke to that sense of purpose and, and mission. How do you, ground me one more time, what is for you a sense of purpose and how it guides you in your work and, and in, in the way you design your life?
0: One one of the ways that we can find out whether we're, we're on purpose is is a, a question that really applies to everybody. And the question is: Would you do what you're doing for free if you had an unlimited bank account? And I, for most people, the answer is no, which is a clear indicator that they're not on purpose. Because once you have that thing that lights you up, it's really fascinating how you just don't you're you're not you're not fixated on the money anymore. It's something it's it's used to keep track. Of of the score, but it's not a score. It's not it's not telling you your value. It's just telling you the market's response. And th- this is one of the the things that I learned when when I lost twenty million dollars, and I had to go through the process of disconnecting my balance sheet and my self worth with my net worth, and understanding that my purpose, when I was fully into it, the freedom was, came out of that, and the and the value of my life was because of that, and and everything else was a side effect. So I, if we're, if we're doing the opposite, like I said, with the B, the money B that that we we tend to be as humans, if we're focusing on the money, we're not really going to be in our purpose. And that's, that's the, the healthy shift to where we have to start asking a different question. And I think the easiest question is how do I serve more people with what I'm doing? It's, it's one of the unfortunate things I think with, with a lot of teachers in society, they they're upset that they're not compensated more and i loved a lot of my teachers some of them i argued with all the time but the ones that were frustrated that they didn't make more money as much as there was an impact on students like all of us as kids they they needed to serve more people and that's how the universe the universe would respond with more wealth and abundance and and we they, they tended to be in a box where they're going to serve they're going to go to the classroom and that's how a lot of us live our lives. We're going to do this job. And it's very, very, uh, it's, there's a scarcity and there's a selfishness around that. Instead of asking, how can I serve more? How can I impact more people? When you start to think about that, it goes way past 10X. It goes into a place where you're satisfying something very, very deep, which is that purpose. It's that meaning. It's going towards something instead of just being upset about the life you're trying to get rid of. You're really having this thing from the future pull you into it.
1: How do you work with uh, with this question of, how can you serve more people? Where, where does it lead you in terms of the brief, the, the practical, instructive brief that you give yourself as a result of that inquiry?
0: The, the, well, the first question I, I always ask somebody, whether it's individually or a business, I'll ask, okay, so if we take what in the last 12 months, whatever that was, your numbers, and if we add a zero, if we 10X them, what what do you have to do differently and they have to completely evolve and i would say more likely they have to di- disrupt themselves completely because you can't use your past and and 10x your your last year by using the same rules the same mechanisms the same people the same resources you have to literally look into the future and start saying okay what what is new what is a new idea what's a new technology and so it it forces us to to make the past validate itself, to prove itself that it's still relevant, instead of saying, "Well, the past is how I'm going to I'm going to grow ten percent by doing a little bit more from the past." The reason this is so important is because there are a thousand people out there, or a million people out there, that are trying to disrupt you. And if you don't do it to yourself, somebody's going to roll over you, your you, your business. So by asking that one question and ten xing everything from your past year, it forces you to look into the outside world, other businesses, other industries, new technology, the the speed of processing power. Things like Uber happened because somebody said, eventually the microprocessing power is going to be fast enough. We're going to have phones that are going to be able to do something that would allow us to have this vehicle on demand the technology wasn't even available when somebody dreamed it up, but they knew the technology was coming because of Moore's law that things were going to happen. So they basically disrupted the taxi system and the taxi, the taxi industry said, well, you know, we're, we've got a monopoly, we can do this forever. They weren't trying to disrupt themselves. They were happy living on the past, the, the, the train that had taken them into the present moment. And then somebody at Uber and these other places said, let's use technology and let's disrupt something. You have to disrupt yourself. And that's the 10x question.
1: What what are you working on in yourself at the moment? What, what is an area where you are now focusing on to refine and develop mastery?
0: The biggest thing that, that happens for me is, is this incessant curiosity to become better at too many things. And so I spend a lot of time instead of letting go, and this is the conflict, I create conflict in my life by doing this. I, instead of letting go and handing things over to other people, I tend to get really, really good at way too many things, which means I'm not mastering any of them. And the process of mastery is letting go of almost everything and focusing very, very narrowly. So the the process of me freeing a million people from financial bondage, it, and it's, about, it's about spreading around the world and helping people guide them. It's, I have to be willing to tap into people's genius To build systems, these digital systems that that will uh, serve more people. I can't develop all those skills. I don't have enough lifetime to do it. So the work I'm doing on myself is this exact process of letting go and being present to what I'm truly spectacular at, my genius, tapping into it and getting really, really deep into it and basically only it, which looks like crazy person sometimes because there's only one thing going on. The truth is, that's what we look up to. The gold medalists or the CEOs or the change makers, the thought leaders, those are all people that got really, really narrowly focused and they made a difference and an impact. And that's, that's my process, I, probably like a lot of people listening.
1: Where will you be in 10 years, Damien?
0: I, I kind of feel like I might be on Mars with Elon uh, doing some work. And you know, that's, I, I feel like there is the 10 years from now is going to be so different that to predict it, is one option to be ready to adapt day to day, year to year is the other option that I think is way more relevant for all of us to embrace because it takes the anxiety around trying to be right about 10 years from now. I know that the relationships and and continuing to contribute are the primary focuses in my life. And so long as I'm in that space, it's not really gonna matter the things that I'm doing, it'll matter more the person that I'm being. What
1: advice would you give yourself if you were 25 again today, searching to find your professional path?
0: The advice I would give myself is go out and fail faster. I failed and made more mistakes than I almost anybody I know. And I would say that it was still slow. I would say that there's there's very little in life that's going to eat you. Unless you grew up in Alaska like I did, or you visit Africa, there's very little that's going to jump out of the woods and actually consume you as a snack and the truth is all these things that we learn from that we don't get right we become stronger and more powerful and have the ability to impact more so the fear of of judgment or the fear of of not being the A student that we're trained to be because we messed up 50 60 70 90% of things Getting rid of that because we're in the practice of failing forward, like John Maxwell says, I think is one of the most powerful things that anyone can do at any stage. I certainly would tell myself at 25, fail as fast as possible, as frequently as possible.
1: Thank you, Damien. This was a rich exploration with you today. As we bring this to lending, what parting wisdom do you want to offer to people listening to create new futures?
0: I think the the, the, the one thing that I would I would suggest to people is to consider their life from today going forward a blank slate that the past has to justify itself and that your past doesn't mean anything about your future unless you decide it it has to that you really can if you take your life and make it a blank slate or your business whatever it is it's a choice and and it's it's your choice it's your choice to make every single day starting with today
1: that's fascinating you're almost saying what I'm trying to uh, capture in the epilogue to to create new futures, which is rather than your past defining your future, by living into the future, you can let the future reframe the meaning of the past. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been a a rich uh, discovery with you today. Uh, We'll have in the show notes ways to uh, connect with you and learn more about your books and your work.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, Aviv. It's been amazing.
1: Here we are. We've landed this Create New Futures journey. And it's your time to take action, to create your new future. Here are three steps you can take this week. First, shift from conflict to flow. Discover the opportunity of this moment and the learning it can bring to you. Conflict is backward-looking. Flow is about being present to what is emergent right here right now second pivot from security focus that's scarcity based to freedom focus that's based in confidence of what you are and what you can do and what you are becoming where abundance is found in that place of confidence third ask how you can serve many more people what is the upgrade and platform that will allow you to touch many more people and bring your service and value to them. This is not just about business, but about living in alignment to purpose. When you live into purpose, the flow of power and learning that comes through you is instructive into your ecosystem. One more thing. You can reach me directly by phone and on email to explore how we can help you and your team create your new future. See you next time.